Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicles, Shards of San Francisco. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and tonight we have to get into the aftermath of a very unique event, let's say, in last week's episode. But before that, I'd like to thank all of you, our listeners, for all of your support and for all of the comments, reviews, quotes, memes, etc. that you give us. They definitely make this even more fun to do. And I'd like to specifically thank all of our Patreon backers for your support of the show. This particular chronicle would not exist without all of you. And if you would like to continue supporting us with your money and other ways, and if you would like to hear more adventures in the background from our chronicle and the other shows that we do on The Old Ways, you can do so at patreon.com slash podcast. And now, we need to get on with the show. But first, some introductions. To my right. Hi, this is Mike, and I play Marcus Voss of Clan Bruja. Baron Prince, Prince Baron, we're not really sure yet. I'm sure we'll figure that out. And uh, next to Marcus. Hi, this is John. I play Sylvester LaViolette of uh, Clan Gangrel. And I think Mike's title is Princeton, Princeron, or Baprince. Prince, there we go. That's definitely what it is. We are still missing our favorite shaman this evening. Uh, so at the end of the table. Hi, this is Allie and I play Katerina Bogdanovich of Clan Toreador and I'm waiting for someone to come a knocking. I'm sure no one will. It'll be fine. Totally fine. And next to Allie. Hello, hello. My name is Bridget Jeffries and I am playing Monica West of Clan Salubri. Indeed you are. And last but not least. This is Tiffany and I play Alex Giovanni and I have a salubri to catch. Oh, that's not ominous at all. So let us dive back into the foggy nights of San Francisco. Across town, one uh, William Mallet has been relieved of his unlife and his head in very undignified ways, all while a bunch of pigeons stare on in judgment. But uh, back in the barony, if we can still call it that, Katarina, you have assembled some of your friends, acquaintances, people here. One of the Lissombra stayed behind, shadows lurking in the corners. There's a few Bruja, including the two who normally drive you around whenever you need to go somewhere, especially anywhere that's not in walking distance. And there's no Jane, 
but uh, Vlad did come, leaving Chad over at the new farm. And there's a few other kindred who are helping you keep an eye on things. And also, perhaps slightly disconcertingly to some of them, a rank of pigeons. A good 15 or so of them just lining the trees outside of Fort Knox. What have you been doing? Oh, we've just been sitting and waiting. I've been getting some paperwork done, basically waiting for the pigeons, the pigeon alert system to go off. Yes, it's a very useful, if somewhat uh, odd or eccentric alarm system, but they have been very, very quiet. They haven't moved a single feather for the most part. No moving around. They're just sort of sitting there in the trees watching and as you're waiting you can feel the bit of tension in the air the bodyguards looking at the door muscles kind of tensing up and untensing it's probably a good thing Esmeralda's not here she would have broken someone's nose by now someone else's nose anyway and then you hear a from outside. I suppose we have a visitor. Jamil, the the Lissambra, turns to look at you. His eyes are dark, completely black. He says, four of them. Or even better. At least out front. I can only see in one direction at a time, unfortunately. Well, we only have the back door unlocked. It's so much darker in there. Creeping. And then you start hearing rustling from outside. One of them, one of them is a snake. And he pulls back. His eyes are still black, but he's focusing more on the room. I don't, I don't recognize them. But one's gangrel. Obviously not our gangrel, but giant snake. Slithering. Understood. And the two bruja just look down at you from their six foot five height. You want us to go take care of them or let them slip in? No, no. Let them come to us. They'll discover they came into the wrong house. And everything goes quiet again for a moment. And you see Jamil is turning. It's like he can see through the walls. He doesn't even need to look out the door. He's just looking through. He's tracking. It's two more. Six total. They're at the door. And you hear that back door rattling. And you hear a loud voice saying, Well, now, isn't this interesting? Do you think it's a trap, lads? And then you just hear giggling, literal giggling. It reminds you, Katarina a bit of some of the laughter you heard out in the park on the night of the blood moon. And in the next moment, there is a giant snake that comes slithering through the hall, followed by five other vampires. One of them is kind of crouched over and he looks to be transforming. Fur, claws, bear maybe? 
as he comes rolling in, and then you can't quite tell what the other four are as they're coming in behind, but they're all carrying. One of them has a bunch of stakes. A couple of them have what look like metal claws. They think they're Wolverine or something, and they just come pouring in, and they're yelling and howling and making all kinds of ruckus. Oh, it's you then. So the snake is hissing at you. And he's going to lunge at you and try to bite you. Yeah, we're going to do entrancement before that happens. Uh, basically, everyone is going to... Uh, basically, everyone who's directly looking at me is going to have to roll wits and composure. Dang. Rolling for all of them. I have... Six before criticals with two criticals, so eight. Okay. So the snake rolled nine successes. Fantastic. And one of the uh, the one that's transforming into a bear rolled nine as well. The others did not <laughs> manage that many, uh, and they're all so four of them just kind of stop and start staring at you, just like slack jawed. Uh, as one of them gets tentacles coming out of the walls, these shadowy tentacles wrap around his throat and drag him screaming into the wall. Well, that doesn't seem appropriate. There's just a splotch of shadow on the wall now, and one of them is just completely gone. And the other three who are entranced are just slowly backing up, but they can't look away from you. And they want to look away, but they can't. And while they're doing that, Eli is going to try and bite you. Essentially, he sinks his fangs into your arm and rips away a chunk of skin and flesh. And he slides his giant snaky head back and forth, licking with his little forked tongue. Says, a tasty Toreador treat for old Eli, haven't had it in a long time. You've always been the tastiest to me. And that's when... Yeah, that that's when the two Bruja just grab him and start try pulling his spine apart. Yeah, I figured that was going to be the case. As he thrashes around and starts trying to bite at their face... He manages to sink his fangs into the face of one of them, just pulling. But as they rip his spine apart, it just pulls a gash out of his face. So there's a Bruja standing there with a chunk pulled out of his face, but half a serpent in one hand, and the other Bruja has half the serpent in the other hand. And you just hear a... As the snake's eyes go blank, and it starts shifting back into humanoid form, but half in one Bruja's hand and the upper half in the other hand. And the other three, quick work is rather made of them. You were prepared. They were not expecting you to be prepared. And, well, Sabat aren't particularly known when they're in a wild pack for strategizing all that much. And since they're too busy staring at you, they can't really do a whole lot as the others rip yeah. them apart. So you have bits of kindred 
all over the hallway. But, you know, other than a bit of a gash along your arm, you're fine. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that Vlad being Vlad will also probably just have stuff on him to wrap my arm with, because that's how he is. Uh, he looks at your arm and goes, don't need the uh, medicine. Hold, please. And, like, he gestures at you to hold your arm out. He pulls with his his long, angular fingers and starts pulling your skin together. Says, mm, little venom there. And flicks. he's, like, flicking it out, almost. Just, mm, bed snake boy. And he pulls your flesh together, and it just heals over. He says, free of charge. Thank you. Can we get everyone together? Make this a group effort to clean all of this up before Marcus returns. I do not wish to have him appalled at the state the haven is in. I take uh, pieces and uh, I do things. Whatever you wish. Need new, need new desk in office. Whatever works best for you. He goes out to a car and he just brings in just like a, a trolley and he starts whistling to himself as he's putting body parts on the trolley. Don't waste. Recycle, reuse. And he laughs this deep chuckle. So across town, as all of this is going on, Alex, you'd gotten a phone call from Marcus. A very interesting phone call. What were you doing? After that, oh, I put the phone down and went to my fridge. Uh, as one does, you have a head in your fridge. Yeah, I have a death to see. Okay, so you pull Phoebe's head out of the fridge. It's maybe a little surprising that it's not Ash. She is a very old vampire, but there's just this look, this intense look of hate in her eyes still, but it's still her head. So, yeah, I'm going to try and see how she died. Okay. Yes! You put your hands on the side of her face, and you steal your resolve, and your eyes go black. And the world around you shifts. And again, it's this strange kind of standing outside of something, looking in. You see Phoebe in her home. She's surrounded by books in a library. And books are strewn across the floor. There's gashes all over her arms. There's blood pooling out of her eyes, which you recognize as a side effect of a particular ritual that didn't work what happens when it failed and there's the smell of fire and smoke in the air and she's got her arms raised up and she turns to look and as she turns it's almost like you're seeing through her eyes even while you're standing outside of her and you see kine six of them one of them's holding up a very old looking crucifix and as Phoebe reaches out towards him, he swipes at her with the crucifix and she laughs and calls him an idiot and throws it away. 
before picking him up by the throat and throwing him across the wall. You hear his spine crack as it breaks and he slumps to the floor and the others have all kind of pulled back a little bit and you can hear them muttering things to each other and it's, it's kind of muffled. They're yelling, but there's so much noise. What are they What are they saying? And you see Phoebe kind of leaning forward and she's chanting something. And she reaches into this dead one, the one she just killed, as if she's trying to pull something out of him as she's looking at them. And then something behind her moves and she turns and someone's gotten behind her somehow. And you just see this tall, dark-haired woman with very dark eyes and a very cold smile saying, Die, Nazi bitch. And a stake goes through her heart. This horrific pain. And you can feel the pain like you did with Luther when you saw him die. You can feel that horrible terrible, sharp, stabbing pain through your chest. And you can feel it as Phoebe is trying to fight it and she's trying to move, but another stake goes in and then they all pounce on her and she's trying to talk and she's trying to fight, but someone shoves something into her mouth. It looks like iron and she goes limp. It's strange. You've never seen that before. This ball of iron in her mouth almost makes her completely comatose. And you see her eyes watch helplessly as this tall, dark-haired woman pulls out a knife and says something in what you recognize to be Hebrew, some kind of prayer. And you feel the pain in your throat as it begins to saw through Phoebe's neck. And the last thing that you hear is a child calling, Mama? And everything snaps back into your reality. Your eyes shift back. You pull your hand away. The woman, she was also human? Yes. Can I pry her mouth open? You can. Is it is that iron still in there? The iron's not there. There's still what looks like maybe scrapings, maybe on her teeth. Okay. From where it was shoved in, but the block of iron or, or the ball of iron they shoved in there is not there. Okay. But that tells you a few things. One of which is William's the one who sent you the head with the note leading you to assume he was responsible. But what you saw was a team of human hunters. Yeah, he probably called hunters to cause more havoc in the city before he left, but then also found a way to pay his debt to me. Is my thought. Mm-hmm. That's how I would have played it. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. That's your analysis of it. I'm going to then pack up her head and put it in the freezer so that it keeps fresh. I don't like stinky things. Or I might have a chest freezer full of body parts. I don't know. Um. Anyways, I'm going to call on 
Luther and see if he can find Annalise, give him basically the heads up on her. So Luther manifests. He looks at the head and spits at it. Yeah, Annalise is causing problems now. She's attacking other kindred now. If you can find her um, and let me know where she's at and how many Tremere she's with, and then you can do whatever you want to her in the process, I don't really care. It would be wonderful. I just figured I'd let you know what's going on with that. If you could help me out, that would be great. And then I have something else to talk to you about later. But I have my um, herd to go see and Elysium to attend, which I know you probably do not want to go to. He shakes his head vehemently and pulls a look of pure horror. You know Sebastian hit on him quite a bit, as Sebastian does, and the fact that Luther's a ghost probably wouldn't stop him. Oh no. There's no way. He'd find a way. <laughs> and he tips his hat and he vanishes through the wall. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, then go see my people mm -hmm. and pick up a snack. And then um, I'm going to text Monica to see what she's doing with her evening. Speaking of Monica, Monica, you and Chase had a very emotional conversation. You're aware that something's being done about Mallet. You know that Phoebe's dead. You've processed a little bit some of what happened the night before. Did you stay in bed with Chase for a bit? Did you have other things you were planning to do? You are supposed to reopen the gardens tomorrow night. She would have stayed with Chase as long as his schedule and his duties would have allowed. Uh, she does plan on attending um, Elysium. This is one of those conversations where she's talking to Chase in the lulls of the conversation or as he's getting dressed. Um, she's texting back and forth with Alex uh, on her phone. But she does plan on attending Elysium tonight. And it's going to be one of those things like Phoebe's dead. Mallet's probably dead. Mallet honestly was never a direct threat to her. She vaguely understands that he was a direct threat to Marcus, which she's relieved from Marcus, at least on that. And then plus that should get her out of this bullshit job. So I, I think she's just going to make a step forward to just making sure everything is ready to go for the opening. Did you say tomorrow? You were supposed to open tomorrow night. Are you still planning to? Mm, let's see. Let's see what happens with Elysium. But okay. she's going to proceed forward under the assumption that everything is going according to plan. But she doesn't know what's going to happen in Elysium tonight, so she'll wait for some further details before, you know, executing. Okay. So Chase gives you a reassuring pat on the head, and he leans in and kisses your forehead and taps the your uh, forehead just above that third eye and says, stay out of trouble. You specifically, looking at your third eye. Oh, the third eye is probably going to give him one of those sheepish, bashful, asshole looks. Yes, you know. You know. I know. For what it's worth, I do I do need to admit that I did Cyclops on them at Fort Knox. So the situation was intense, but I know I didn't make it better. Okay. 
He just shakes his head and gives you a hug. And as he's holding you and just kind of rubbing your shoulders a bit, he says, it's been an emotional, tense couple of months, hasn't it? Yeah, I think that's an understatement. Then she'll nuzzle into him. (laughs) You know me, master of understatement. But we've all been under a lot of strain, including the Baron and Miss Bogdanovich. Doesn't excuse things necessarily, but I think we can find a way out of all of this. So why don't you go get ready for tomorrow night? And then I'll pick you up for Elysium 1230? Yeah, that works. Okay. You're sure you want to go? She throws a glance over to her cell phone that's sitting on the bed that's probably telling, and she'll just bite her bottom lip and not. All right. Well, I'll pick you up from Makai Gardens at 1230 then. And he taps that third eye again. Behave. It blinks. And his third his third eye winks at you. And she'll, ex- she'll return the wink. Okay. I'll see you at 1230. So you go off to Makai Gardens. It's later than you would have liked to have gone, but with everything going on, and you know from Chase that most of the territory was mobilizing, you're trying to stay on the down low, so to speak. You get to Makai Gardens, your ghouls are there setting up, doing final final preparations, making sure the koi are in the koi pond and mm-hmm. putting up the macrame and all of those things. Malarkey isn't there. Understandably, he's probably out with Jean and the other Lasombra. Olive isn't there, which, again, not surprising considering what's going on in the city tonight. But you have a more quiet couple of hours working, just feeling more at home here, surrounded by all of your plants and the fish and your ghouls, your people. And then you get a text message from Alex asking what you're up to this evening. I would probably say in this particular situation, she's kind of relieved that things are as quiet as they are. Uh, Her ghouls are always very energizing for her. They're always one of her safe places. But still with everything going on, she's in that fake it till you make it type of mode, which I'm sure the ghouls can pick up on. But she's doing the best she can. Her, Her one sense of reprieve right now is Alex, who she's texting back and forth with. And with that question, she will uh, say, I'm setting up for the opening until Chase picks me up around 1230. Do you want to stop by for a private tour? Of course. I will be there. So I will head over that way. So, Alex, you head on over to meet up with Monica. And uh, at the same time, Marcus and Sylvester, you uh, have a Ventrue's head the hammer's head encased in epoxy. Yes. There is uh, some blood on the ground. There's a corpse missing its head. A lot of glass. And Esmeralda comes out of the trees with blood all over her mouth. That one won't be a problem. Heh. I guess I'm going to do the traditional thing here in, um, you know, the free state of San Francisco, and I'm going to loot the body. Sylvester probably hears me say something like, what tales do you have left to tell? And I'm sort of like reaching into his suit jacket and fishing around. Okay. Uh, So you have his cane with the silver hammer 
its head on it. In his pockets, you find a wallet with a set of separate ID with his picture, but a French name and a French passport. You also find a note from someone. It's unsigned except for the letter L. And the note just says, you'll have to wait a bit, William. We've got other things on our plate at the moment. Do take care of it yourself. There's a good chap. Interesting. I pocket that. So yeah, so you probably see me going through his wallet. Like, I don't give a shit about the identifications, the passport I probably take. And then when I pull out this little note, I give it a glance and then I fold it up and put it in my pocket. And there's also several credit cards, very fancy looking ones. Ooh, I pass those to Sylvester. <laughs> I have I have people that can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I just figured if you wanted to get something to eat, I mean. No, I, uh, no, I found it's best to recycle these first and then, you know, anyway. You also, he also has a signet ring on his left mm. hand. It looks very old. Oh, yes. I acquire this. Of course you do. And there's a key card. You're not quite sure. Could be a hotel room. Could be a bank. I wonder if it's a vault at the old crypto place. It could be. But there's no identification on it. No marks or anything to tell you what it is. But it's a key card. Yeah, interesting. We're not leaving that here, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. No, certainly not. Other than that, he doesn't have anything in his pockets because they'd probably spoil the lines of his suit. He probably would. As um, John, that makes sense. As Sylvester, I'm just like, <laughs> you could fit so much <laughs> stuff in these pockets. <laughs> Look at these pockets. Uh, so where's the uh, where's the mortal woman? Sophie is on the ground, wrapped in shadow tentacles, one of which is shoved in her mouth. So she's trying to scream around the shadow tentacle, but she can't. Her hair is a mess. Her phone is shattered. She, one of her high heels has been has skittered across the tarmac, and she's mm. panicking and a mess. Ah, understood. I'll look over. Jean's uh, the society and Jean are here. Yes. Yes. Uh, they disappeared for a moment, dragging Tiana, the Bruja bodyguard, away, and then they came back. Presumably leaving Tiana with Esmeralda. <laughs> okay. Um, I will uh, look very closely over Sophie and then um, look back to Jean and say, release her. Are you sure? I'm positive. Oh, fine. And Jean's eyes sort of ripple a little bit and you see the shadows just disappear into the air. Yeah, as soon as the shadows retract, I hit Sophie with entrancement. Okay. She's not going to be able to resist this, I don't think. Not in her current state. Likely not. That's a successful rouse check. So it's charisma presence versus uh, composure wits. Yep. I have four. Okay. Um, the hand of fate is going to put you at a disadvantage. Marcus. And she is going to beat you. Oh, fantastic. So I see her not become captivated? 
Mm-hmm. She stares back at you defiantly and she spits on the ground. I take her by the back of the head, like fold like the hair. And I say into her ear, her ear, your former master didn't have any physical power, but I'll guarantee you one more little piece of spit from your mouth and I'll snap your fucking neck. She just looks up at you. Her eyes are cold, a little scared, but she's been working with Mallet for a couple of decades. And she just looks at you and goes, what do you want? I'll show you. I drag her over by the hair to the bucket. And she takes a look and she lets out a scream. Yeah, get it out. Get it all out. And then she vomits. Oh, mon dieu. Fuck is wrong with you. It's a long list, lady. I look back at Jean. I'm not done with her. And neither are you. Put her on ice somewhere. And Jean's eyes turn cold again and she just reaches out and you can see little shadows extending from her fingertips and these little shadows just creep into Sophie's skull you can see them going through her forehead and Sophie's eyes roll back and she goes limp and Jean picks her up and slings her over her shoulder I look at Sylvester and say she's got spirit I'll give her that Oh, yeah, real tough. I mean, yeah. you ought to admire it to some extent. I mean, what she just saw. Well, I suppose she was out cold for most of it. But, well, yeah. You gotta respect it. Almost makes you want wish you had her on your side. Oh, well. Esme, you've never looked so beautiful. <laughs> As he just looks over her with, her with her mouth covered in other vampire blood. Just like... Esmeralda's eyes are just alight. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, felt good. Mm. done good Sylvester it's like yeah well you know we can't have all have all the fun but I'm glad you had a good time <laughs> that one's ash no cleanup nice yeah I would imagine that the rest of Mallet's body is ash at this point yes it's it's ashed a bit more slowly than you expected it to but it's dissolved by the time you've knocked out Sophie, it's just a suit and a pile of ash and a head in the epoxy. Uh, I'm not keen to leave any evidence around. Yeah, no, waste time. As I said, leave this with me. I'll have some people chop shop the care and uh, suit and all that will disappear. I'll, uh, I might take something from this and he just picks up the cane, cracks it over its knee <laughs> and just is like, puts the top half with the hammer into like just a deep pocket somewhere. You're just like, uh, does he have a pocket that deep? The answer is evidently yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just like, yeah, well, let's get rid of the rest. So you clean up and dispose of evidence and things. And Jean just carries the unconscious Sophie off to her car, says, uh, my place or yours, boss? Oh, she's thinking about the about Sophie. Mm-hmm. Oh, ours. I have a feeling that uh, Miss Bogdanovich is going to be very interested to talk to Sophie. Perhaps some retraining is in order. I'll give her a few nightmares to keep her company. 
I would expect nothing less. Good job, all of you. You sort of look around 1 a.m. at Elysium. I sort of just say out to the crowd and then uh, head back off the tarmac because at some point the FAA is going to get pissed. Just a little bit. There's strangely not that much noise human-wise going on around here. And then you look over at the controlling station, the tower and, and the little building that functions as the office for this particular strip. And you see the, just this heavy, thick cloud of shadow all around them. It's impenetrable. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, Sylvester's just next to him and he's like, fucking A, right? Like having these guys on your side just makes it a lot easier. Otherwise, we'd have had to be out of here by now. The um, loyalty and power of Clan Lissambra does not go unnoticed. And there, there's a, a young man uh, with kind of sandy hair, very nervous energy, but the deep, thick black eyes next to you, Sylvester, and he just... Yeah, we we did a great job. Yeah, that was that was great. Oh man, I bet he really fucking wish he hadn't messed with us, huh? Not that he wishes anything anymore, but yeah, fucking a. And he holds up a hand to you, Sylvester, like he's expecting a fist bump or something. And Sylvester's kind of mostly because he's <laughs> like he's been all over the place, but the fist bump's kind of new still, and he's like it became new while Sylvester was in the woods as well. So he's just like cautiously just bumps back and he's like, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, good job, bud. Uh, he just kind of looks at Marcus like, what a weirdo. Yeah, I probably share in the, okay, that one's a little strange look with Sylvester. <laughs> just like, and, uh, the rest are all really cool. Then there's this guy. <laughs> and Malarkey looks back at you, Marcus, and uh, he looks a little more serious. He goes, ah, you guys should probably, uh, yeah, you, you should go. I've got to keep this up. <laughs> and he points at the thick cloud of shadows. Like, That's kind of my job. Um, and just, it's a little tiring <laughs> holding it up for so long. So if uh, you want to clear out, now's probably a good time. <laughs> All right, yeah, I heard that one a lot. Anyway, let's get out of here. Uh, Aaron, you drive the car. I, you know me and wheels. And he's just going <laughs> to sit in this passenger seat of the limo. And Esmeralda looks at the car tilts her head because fucking rich people stuff fucking nonsense crypto bullshit and she just slides into the car and she looks really kind of hyped up and angry she's barely tall enough to see over the wheel can we crash in the river later I mean if you want to I honestly don't give a shit but uh well we gotta destroy the evidence well that's true he's just like now I just feel like a car being stolen and sold to a chop shop Less suspicious than turning up in the river with no occupants and some weird resin stains on the hood. Oh, fine. He's like, look, look, we'll use the money. I will just give it to you. You know, I don't fucking need that shit. Anyway. They, they opened up one of those parks recently. Have you heard where you can go in and you can just smash stuff like cars and glass and things like they just give you a big hammer and you can just smash things. Do you think they have one for one of us? Like one of us runs it and you know, they don't mind that you just fucking freak out and rip an engine block it. Who do you think came up with the fucking idea, man? 
<laughs> oh, fucking beautiful. No, let's go rip up a car later. <laughs> and Esmeralda drives the limo off with <laughs> with Sylvester in the passenger seat. Awesome. Um, I'm going to call Katerina and find out <laughs> how the barony is doing. Yeah, Katerina, you get a call on your phone just as Vlad uh, carts off the last of the body parts and... Uh, the young Lasombra Jamil is cleaning the last bit of blood off the walls. Things were being cleaned up, right? Yeah, Vlad has just carted off the last of the body parts to his car, and you hear him muttering something uh, about which skin tone is going to work best for his uh, leather chair. And he wishes there was a bit of snake skin. And I'll answer my phone. Hello. Katerina. Yes, Marcus. It is done. Good. I'll be coming home before going to Elysium. Understood. We will make sure the mess is cleaned up before you arrive. Oh, was there trouble? No trouble. Good. I have a present for you. I can't wait. And I hang up the phone. (laughs) So, uh, Marcus and the gangrel and others all finish clearing away the last bits of evidence that they were ever here other than the broken gate that Marcus ripped apart with his bare hands. Not a whole lot you can do about that, but the FAA can figure that out. The security guard is still snoring peacefully where he was dropped by one of the Lasombra. And as the gangrel disappear into the woods, uh, and as you're driving off Marcus, you can see Malarkey jump into a car as the shadows start to dissipate. And he tears off as if the cops were hard, hot on his tail. They probably are. They probably will be. So, meanwhile, Alex, you've arrived at uh, Mackay Gardens. This new setting, new shop. You never went to the original one. Wasn't really your scene. Not your kind of thing. You knew it existed because you knew, you knew there was salubri in town. But... Wasn't really anywhere you needed to be. Not a lot of power players there. So this is a, a new a new thing for you. There's a lot of humans in there. Well, I mean, it's not like I don't have my own. All right. So, Monica, Alex has arrived. Hi. Hi. So, I have a question for you. And she's holding something behind her back. No, I am not already gift giving. Give her, give her another 24 hours and then she'll get that <laughs> together. No one get excited. Um, and she has a piece of stationery that looks like it was almost made by hand. It's very um, crude. It's rough around the edges. Uh, it's another one of these plantable pieces of paper. But it's a menu listing that literally mm-hmm. just has uh, flavors on it. That's either like lime, lemon, orange, oyster, chocolate. It's just a menu listing. And she says, what would you like to sample tonight? Alice probably actually looks a little shocked because I don't know if they can remember the last time they actually had flavors. I don't know. You choose. Well, she looks disappointed. She gives you a faux pout, but she goes, let's go. And she stops. She says, you guys have that bite thing, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, she looks at the menu and then she's going to start scrutinizing, like, which one of her ghouls is she actually going to inflict real pain right now? And Rena, I'll toss it up to you. What flavor is coming out of the pipeline on this one? What ghoul does she feel comfortable enough teeing up for temporarily agonizing pain? 
so I think Lakshmi, okay. who is going to be the orange flavor. Lakshmi is a uh, half Indian, half Canadian young woman. And she's got a bit of a kinky side. So maybe that'll work. Welcome. Uh, come on in. I will get you your drink and then I can give you the tour. And then she stops and she turns around because it's Monica. Well, why are you actually here? What do you mean? I mean, why are you here right now? Oh, I, because I'm done doing what I need to do. She smirks. Okay. You're not going to give me any more, anything more than that. Well, I mean, I'm just waiting for Elysium and thought that maybe you'd want company so no creepy children attack you again. She nods and she smiles. Uh, that third eye is staring you down right now. There is suspicion, there's mild irritation, uh, and there's also like an undercurrent of curiosity. Okay. Uh, come on, let me introduce you to Lakshmi. She might be actually your speed. Oh, you mean from an actual person? Yeah, no, we don't bag here at Mackay Gardens. That's not really my thing. Oh, how would you prefer it? I actually picked up a snack. I brought one for you. Not flavored, of course, but... But, um... Yeah, I usually don't bite humans unless I'm really angry. Okay. My apologies. I should have asked first. That was... I was assuming, and I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, there's a time and a place for everything, but those times and places are at specific times and places. <laughs> okay. Uh, come on. Um, there's somewhere that we can at least sit and we could talk. And she'll lead them in down an aisle that's just, you know, completely overgreen. Vines are hanging from the walls, from the ceiling. There are potted plants around the floor. But if you turn just the right corner, there's like a little alcove that has a metal bench that is covered in like, ugh, guys, what are those things at a wedding? The circular things. The bride and groom stand under. What are those freestanding things called? No one knows. You're talking about like the arch It's thing? an arch, yeah. Uh, whatever. There's, there's... <laughs> There's a wicker arch thingy, whatever that actual phrase is. I'm sure somebody in the chat is going to wind up telling us <laughs> that's interlaced with uh, plants. Is this okay? Yeah, definitely. It's beautiful in here. Thank you. You'd be surprised how quickly it came together. Probably. It's not what I do. And then she will take a seat. Do you have the blood on you? Yeah. Probably do. Like, I will pull it out of my jacket pocket. I will share Eddie with her tonight. The bag has a name. The person does. The person <laughs> in the bag is, came from has a name. <laughs> Thank you. So you, you, you detect a slight hint, Monica, of pizza. <laughs> Black olive. Pepperoni. Just a hint. As she's sipping on the back, and you said it didn't have a flavor. I mean, I guess I'm used to it. They all eat the same thing. I swear, they cannot vary their diet whatsoever. And then she chuckles. So I suppose you've heard? About? Mallet? Oh, yeah. I mean, Marcus said he was going to go take care of stuff. So I figured he went and did his brouhaha thing. 
Yeah, I'm sure. He's good at that. How do you feel about that? Just out of curiosity. Oh, Mallet was an asshole. That's what I heard. I mean, you know, he, uh, I mean, he was a Ventru, and so he did Ventru things. You always got to figure out a way to use things to your advantage. So I did while he was around, but I knew it was short-lived. Well, then in that case, I should tell you as well. Congratulations. That's what we were aiming for. What's wrong? But things still aren't the way I think they should be. Mm. Alex the Visionary, how do you think things should be? And she pulls her her knees up to her chest. uh, and She leans back on the bench because she's genuinely curious. So once upon a time, there was this entire city where there was no arguing. There were no sides. Everybody just lazed around and made art and did whatever they thought their hearts needed and it was wonderful and we should all go back to it you think we can um i think there's potential to if not we can carve out our own cities she nods but there's more of a blank stare to that because she understands with her clan that's a luxury that she just can't enjoy i mean It's part of, so the temple that I go to also has that same vision, and that is what we are working towards. A beautiful utopia. Again, that third eye is staring you down suspiciously. She, however, is cautiously curious. I was fed that line before. Well, I'm sure many people are. But if you haven't been, then you wouldn't know. So you can always visit the temple anytime you want. You don't have to become part of it if you don't want to. I may take you up on that one night. Plus, it's really hard to say no to that face. Like, goddamn, Alex. Like, this is like, it's uncomfortable. Do you realize that you make people uncomfortable? Oh, yes. I'm very aware. And it's also one of the gifts that I got from the temple. Okay. Have you seen Rom? Yeah. Um, I don't think you see Ram as much as you experience Ram. And yes, I've experienced Ram um, at the boat party, as a matter of fact. He has also joined us. She's spinning in her head right now because she really wants to say some slick shit. Like, so you're a cult leader. Got it. I understand now. This is a recruitment meeting. Got it. I also understand now. But what she's just going to do is just really enjoy the fact that someone is speaking to her, not lecturing her is engaging with her, not pressuring her, at least not yet. Um, and that she can bask in the just the, the ambience of something that is so remarkably gorgeous. So, um, yeah, that's where I stand. That's, that's why I stay independent is because it's not what I would hope this city would have become in this much time. Yeah, it's been a rough six months. I envy your ability to claim independence. We have to have someone in leadership. One, actually offer us hospitality and then two, guarantee our safety. Yeah, I I understand that is a privilege that my clan has carved out for us. Thank you for acknowledging that. I appreciate it that they've done that for us because I don't know. I don't know what I'd do in this city. Probably wouldn't. Mm. 
I can relate to that more than you know right now. I just think things are going to get really rough for a while. And I just want to make sure that everybody, you know, has the allies they need. I appreciate that, Alex. I do. Thank you. I mean, me as well. It's hard to figure out who to trust right now. Yeah, it's hard to find a safe place right now, too. So, hey, what do you think is going to happen at Elysium? Uh, he's probably going to, I don't know. He might put down some ground rules and claim the whole city. I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be a big show, though. As much as he claims to, you know, not be a Toreador, sometimes uh, his performance is a bit strong. She shifts very uncomfortably in the bench right now. I will tell you that I am sorry that uh, Annalise came after you. I helped facilitate the first part of what happened, but I did not expect her to come after you, of all people. She inches over on that bench, facilitated the first part? Yeah, the... uh, her, her her mommy dearest. Time seems to stop for Monica because the idea that somebody was capable of something like this is like, holy shit, how did you get that off? How do you even start? And then there's also that realization that Alex is a lot more dangerous than she realized. But she's going to stay onto the emotional bandwagon on this one because that's what Monica loves to do. And she's going to inch just as close as she can get in this particular moment. Knees pulled still on the bench. She's like, how did you do it? How did you get a Tremere whip killed? One, most of it's secret. But two, if you know the right people and how to use them at the right time, you can get anything done. If I haven't said it before, I'm impressed. Not many people are by me anymore, so uh, I'll take it. I mean, most people are used to my, I don't know, me (laughs) being me. You being you put down the most terrifying figure that I've come across in Kendra society in the last 30 years. You being you gave me a real shot at having a life here in the Bay Area again. So this is me saying thank you for you being you. And then she's going to lean in and try to kiss him. Alex is A-OK with that. So we'll, we'll uh, draw the curtain there and uh, leave the rest to the imagination. And... Uh, We have an Elysium to get to, don't we? But uh, Marcus, you get home from all of these events. Sylvester's gone off with Esmeralda. You don't know when you'll be seeing Esmeralda at the moment, but she is in full blood boiling hunting mode. So it might be a little while, but you get home and Katarina's there. Some of the other kindred who had come in to help out are still there, but most of them have dispersed. I come in carrying a bucket. I seem likely a little bit more carefree and happy than I have in some time. I take it the adventure was a success. Oh, yes. In many, many ways. Many ways. I'll uh, look for Jean. Jean comes in uh, behind you, carrying the still unconscious Sophie over one shoulder. I'll sort of take Sophie, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in, a, in a fireman's carry over my shoulder. 
and and slowly place her at the feet of Katerina and say, you have a very feisty new prospect. She likely knows quite a bit about Monsieur Mallet and his um, business dealings. And she's just a little too valuable to let go anywhere, anytime soon. She was pompous enough to spit at me. Should I eat her? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not necessary. Uh, but perhaps, um, perhaps a clothing change. Perhaps um, someone from the uh, the local, um, what, barbershop gives her a new hairdo. Something to change who she is. And of course, control. You, need, you, need, you only need a personal assistant at some point anyway. I sort of pat Sophie's unconscious body. Here you go. The spoils of war. I'm going to feed from her anyway. First matter of business. Are you doing that now or? As I'm taking her up to my office, yes. Oh, and uh, get, get changed. We're, we're, we need to meet Elysium soon. I'm already ready. I'll meet you downstairs. Fantastic. I turn back with the bucket to Jean. Oh, I don't envy her. <laughs> no, I don't either. I sort of take the signet ring that Mal wore out of my pocket. Is it a Ventru clan symbol or is it some different? It's a different. It, it looks like heraldic, like old heraldry. Does it match the coin? It does. I smile, a big, wide, toothy grin. You know, this is quite something. If my sire were here today, he would appreciate this payback after centuries of having our own kind hammered into place. But he's not here. One less elder on the map now, which means we get to forge our own future. I do appreciate your loyalty in this fight. There's one thing you can always say about the Lissombra, and that is that we are loyal once we've made our choice. Undoubtedly. But the city will shift and change now, again. And I think it's important that uh, those who are strong and have the ability to lead are put into those positions. I would be grateful if House Lissombra showed up to Elysium tonight. Complete. We'll be there. I'll leave the cats at home. That could be best or will be Gangrel there. Well, they do tend to follow malarkey around, so it's a little difficult to herd them sometimes, but we'll manage. Good. We might see some old friends. Friends? Or friends? Well, I have put out word for a few people who we have not spoken with maybe since, uh, well, it's been a few nights anyway. Um, I'm hoping Sir Roger will join us. Oh, really? Hmm. He has been rather quiet through this whole thing. Yeah, quiet mostly, but had breath enough in his body to uh, threaten me should I get uh, too big of a head. He made it very clear that uh, Clan Malkavian has... Uh, powers and abilities all their own, including walking people into the sun. Yes, 
Well, the old ones are rather like that. He's got a few too many years on him, I think. But if he's smart, and being able to see the future, I'm sure he is, he'll, uh, he'll learn to deal with it. I hope so. All right. I'll see you there. Oh, and, um, Sebastian's been fairly frisky lately, just to... Is he ever not? No. No. So business as usual. He's not my type, so I don't have to worry. She smiles. I'll see you there. And she saunters off, flicking a bit of blood off her leather jacket from where Sophie was dangling over her shoulder. So, Katarina, you take the unconscious Sophie upstairs. You have a nice little snack. Yeah, you know, sate my hunger a little bit. Yeah, it's good timing, really. Yeah. And you know this one's not infected, so what are you going to do with her? Well, I'm going to tie her to the, like, really plush chair that's in my office. But first I have to go into the bedroom and get the chains. Um, Because that's where they live, so I have to chain her to the chair. It only takes a few minutes. Marcus can hear the chains rattling around upstairs as they're dragged from the bedroom into the office. We don't have time for that. And after, you know, five or six minutes, I have snack. I train her up, you know, make sure she's nice and snug. Put a little pillow underneath her neck so she's uh, not going to drip all over the furniture. Make it back downstairs. Pleasantly flush. V can go. I nod. All right. Yeah, I'm basically ready. <laughs> I take the bucket, I put it in my car, and I head to Elysium. Okay, so the two of you head to Elysium with the head in a bucket. And uh, Sylvester, you and Esmeralda take the car to a local chop shop that happens to be owned uh, by another Bruja. And you see... He and Esmeralda have a little discussion and he gets really worked up and she gets really worked up and then they do that kind of chest bump thing and then a high five and they just look really excited about something. And she comes back and says, Elysium. Yeah, sure. Let's go on. You know, I thought there was going to be more build up to this. I thought it was going to be a bigger thing. I thought it was going to be more. But, uh, well, we'll see what, what Voss has planned, and then we'll see where we go from there. Build up? More build up? You weren't here for the last few months, Sylvester. You were off, I don't know, doing yoga in the woods or whatever the fuck it is you do when you disappear. There was so much fucking build up. He just lights up and he's just like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm sorry I missed it. I heard you guys had Sabat and everything, but... <sighs> I don't know. The thought of killing Nazis again, what if it was... That. There's still Nazis in San Francisco, Sylvester. Don't worry. Yeah, but I wanted to kill one from back then. <laughs> he just, like, throws the cigarette away. He's clearly sulking. She grabs you by the shoulders and she looks you in the eyes and she says, Don't be a child. And you see that really intense sort of burn in her eyes that you've seen before. And then she slaps you. Yeah, that's probably the best thing to do. He just rubs his cheek. And like, <laughs> despite being slapped by 
one of the stronger Bruja in the city. He's still okay. He's fine. Yeah, Mostly because she went easy. But he's just like... She didn't try to break your nose. No. It's like, you're right. You're right. We'll do more hunting. We'll do more hunting. We will kill more Nazis. And we will enjoy the fact that we took out William fucking Mallet. Oh, you know, the more you say it, the more I love hearing it. Say it again, would you? We killed William fucking Mallet. Fucking right we did. Oh, so good. Honestly, honestly. Like, that could have gone so bad. <laughs> and he's just like talking about all the ways it could have gone wrong. As they just walk over. <laughs> and Esmeralda's just like, it's like, how do you live without anxiety, man? As you, the two of you walk uh, to the car, to Esmeralda's car to get to Elysium. Uh, so, Alex and Monica, you've had a bit of an interesting evening. And uh, it's now about 12.30. And uh, Monica, you see Chase walking through the front door. Monica? Monica? Yeah? And she will slide off the bench where at least she can get into the aisleway where he can see her. It's like, yeah, um, have you met Alex Giovanni? Clan Hakata? Once. And he just sort of peeks around. Good evening. Hi. There are so many levels to how hilarious this is because one, Chase owes Monica a conversation from a month ago that he's been dodging. So this is absolutely hysterical to Bridget. Um, are you ready to go? Chase just sort of blinks and goes, uh, yes, we should probably get going so we're not late. Uh, do you need a ride to Elysium Mix? Oh, no, I have my driver. Thank you. Okay. Monica? He's giving you the side eye with the third eye, Monica. Oh, God, yeah, she knows what that one means. Um, her third eye can't even make eye contact with him right now. It's still glaring at Alex. Yeah, let's go. She'll slip her arm, you know, around his elbow like she always does and down his forearm like she always does and interlaces her fingers around his like she always does. Yeah, Let's see what the Baron has to say. We'll talk later. And you have a very quiet, awkward drive to Elysium. So you all arrive at Elysium and you know, Marcus and Katerina, you get there first. It's pretty packed. There's a lot of gangrel here. All of the La Sombra Society come rolling up at the same time. And they're still all dressed alike. And they move as a pack, <laughs> slipping into Elysium. Sebastian is in a very outlandish 70s suit this evening, in bright neon yellow. It suits him somehow, but he's entertaining everyone, and you see him flitting around. No, no, I don't know what he wants, no. Uh, but thank you for coming. Yes, it's del Can I get you any? Just talking to people, glad-handing, moving around. It, it's going to be difficult for most people to find a place to sit if they want to sit in, on this yacht, this open space in the yacht. It's like, I really should have put out the extra uh, places today. Oh my, my. Marcus, darling. And he looks almost relieved as he sees you come in. So you come in with Katarina on your arm and you see what's uh, left of the Primogen Council and the whips are 
up front. There's a, a couple newer members of the Primogen Council who you knew Mallet appointed to fill or had the clans appoint to fill the seats uh, that were left empty. Uh, Katarina Dara is there, the Toreador Primogen who took over from Claudio. And uh, yes, you do see Sir Roger sitting very quietly in a back corner uh, wearing one of those Greek tragedy masks. Interesting. And they're all seated, cleared space in the middle where the band would normally be, and uh, there's a couple seats at the table left open as the rest of you all come in. Everyone makes way for Esmeralda. I just uh, nod at Esmeralda as she comes in. There's no one sitting in my at my table, right? No, 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 no. Okay. You, ha- you have a deal with Sebastian. Your table is empty, although you do see a few younger kindred eyeing the seat and Sebastian has to shoo them away as you come in, but you take your chair. Sylvester, you follow in behind Esmeralda in the path that she clears, and Chase and Monica walk in together, and it is now 1 a.m., and so that is where we will draw this episode to a close. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see what happens at Elysium and with the balance of power next time. Thank you, and good night.